You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high-quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to an episode of the Hunter's Advantage podcast. We just wrapped up um, episode number 55, and it was an awesome episode. We talked about how he harvested the archery state record for Oklahoma. I'm going to pop that buck up on the screen just real quick so you guys can see that. This is the deer that I'm talking about, an absolutely world-class deer. Um, And not only that, uh, Gunner's an awesome guy. They're they're doing great stuff for the community, getting young hunters into the outdoors and uh, doing it for Christ all along the way. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning into the episode. Um, let's get into the video. For everybody that's listening and watching, uh, welcome back to an episode, another episode of the Hunter's Advantage podcast. This is episode number 55 for us, and we're joined today by Gunnar Womack. Uh, appreciate it, brother, for uh, jumping on with us. Oh, I think uh, where I wanted to start was, obviously, you've shot one of the biggest whitetail that's ever been killed in the state of Oklahoma, but just taking it back a little bit, um, how'd you get started in hunting, and, and when did that happen? <clears throat> well, growing up, uh, my dad was a big hunter. He grew up, and his dad showed him how to hunt. Um, he was hunting back when whitetail in Oklahoma were pretty non-existent um so he had to work really hard for what he shot um he actually killed a deer when he was younger that was put in the paper because I, I mean it wasn't very big for nowadays but it was big back then that got him going and then growing up every single day after school dad would come pick me up with my camo ready and throw camo on me when I was four or five years old drag me to the stand and we'd be sitting there watching deer all night so that's kind of where it started was my dad that's awesome. So where, uh, where are you from? Is it, is it Morrison, Oklahoma is where you're from? Yeah. Morrison, Oklahoma. It's right there, uh, by Stillwater. What, what direction from Stillwater is it? It's North of Stillwater. Just North of Stillwater. Yeah, okay. 10 minutes, maybe. That's where you grew up hunting? Yeah. Um, a lot around Morrison and Pawnee, stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's really cool. I saw that you were, are you still going to Oklahoma state? Mm-hmm. It's that's my cool. third year there. Yeah, I grew up in, I don't know if you know where Vanita is, but I grew up in Vanita, uh-huh. um, northeast of Tulsa, and then I went to Oklahoma State too, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I know where Vanita is. I have a, my roommate, actually, his family in Vanita. He goes down there all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's not much there. I think around Stillwater is a lot cooler, but yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So, um, man, before before you got after this buck that I'm sure we're going to get into had have you seen any other deer that quality that caliber around where you hunted um my dad two years previous shot a mid 170s deer that was he was we were after him pretty hard he he got out early so people were after him our neighbors and stuff went after him hard so we had to hunt him real hard um that year um usually early season we try to play it as safe as we can until like rut and stuff but that year we had to really get after him um but at that particular place the 
biggest deer that had been shot off that before mine was the mid 170s which big deer it's awesome deer yeah uh other places we've hunted we've had big deer you know we went after but by far the two biggest deer that me and my dad have taken were off that place so what's what kind of management are you guys doing on these sort of properties are you like planting weed or feeding corn all year protein what do you what are you guys doing yeah we uh we put in a lot of uh a lot of wheat food plots oats uh, we try to put in some clover plots um, we're real big on uh, we'll give a lot of mineral throughout the year hit them real hard right before they drop trying to keep them as healthy as they can so everything goes back into those uh, antlers they have and uh i mean we we try to give them as much food as they possibly can um, we can't hardly keep up at the place that i killed that one big deer at um they're just we have a ton of does in there and they just come in and just we just hope and pray that the army worms don't get after it because we'll be way behind if that happens because we got a lot of deer in there. But yeah, we, uh, we just put in a bunch of food plots and we try to stay out of bedding areas, of course, but, um, just a lot of food plots and mineral stuff. So. You're feeding throughout the whole year, like in the spring and stuff too, while they're starting to grow again or what? Yeah, we, we usually cut them off, um, after they drop a couple weeks not like stone cold, but like we try to like give a mineral throughout. Um, but right about, we just started putting corn out a couple weeks ago and then we'll start hitting them with mineral again pretty soon. But to really get them to take up that mineral, we usually mix it in with that corn. Um, so they have to, you know, to get to the good stuff that they want to eat, they have to eat a little bit of that mineral too. And then we'll have a something on the side where they can just go eat some mineral instead. Then we'll have sulfur blocks throughout the, property and stuff like that but usually we run cameras until right up after they drop and then right after they drop we go look for sheds to figure out what deer you know had healthy drops what didn't and Mm -hmm. just try to keep track of them like that it sounds like you guys are pretty big on keeping the place unpressured do you guys run cell cams or anything like that we just started to try to use cell cams um the new place that we just picked up it's kind of hard to run them because of how secluded it is we we have some trouble with signal there but typically it's it's been pretty nice to set those up now usually um our deer by mid october are really used to us going in there Hmm. like if we just go straight in there put the corn in you can see those does run off and you can kind of see them back in the timber they know we're gonna take off back the other way so they come out now the bigger bucks they won't stick around obviously but those does we don't those does are like dad calls them his pets just because (laughs) he's he he's like don't you shoot one of my does don't shoot one of my does they're not bad yet but it'll get to the point we're gonna have to shoot them but right now he's like don't shoot them yet they're they're fine but yeah do you guys take a lot of does or mainly bucks um a lot of bucks our places uh the place that we own the one we're we took the two big deer at we're not we don't have too many where we have to take some yet it's it's been a pretty healthy population there now our lease this last year at our lease i shot two off of it because it was just over run with those does and we turned them into summer sausage but it, it's more of a if we have to we will um just to keep the population at a healthy standard but if, if we don't we'll you know, we love does. They bring in those big old bucks. So yeah. 
so as long as you guys have like a healthy buck to doe ratio, you're cool letting them letting them walk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's neat. So I assume that you were rifle hunting most of your life. When the when did you get started into bow hunting? I know this is your first bow buck, but what when did you get started and and why did you kind of transition over to bow hunting? Um, I did a little bit of crossbow hunting when I was mm-hmm. younger, like before I could really, because Dad didn't want to get me a bow that I couldn't really pull back very well, and he. He wanted to get me a good one for my first one. So when I was young, I started with a crossbow. I had started bow hunting like two, three years before I actually killed that deer. Just hadn't had any luck. I killed a turkey with my bow before I killed a deer. But uh, yeah, I just, I wanted a new challenge, I guess. It's it's so cool killing a deer with your bow because it, it seems like it takes, you know, that much more to do it, you know. So I, I just like the extra, the extra challenge with it because it's, I, mean, I love hunting as it is, but whenever you add that extra element, it makes it even more fun. Yeah, I mean for sure. But you said two or three years of like no success. I mean, did you shoot at any deer before this giant that you took out with your bow? I shot at one, and I missed high, and I went back, and my sights had been knocked off. So yeah, I missed one, and I hadn't shot at any other ones. Um, just didn't get presented with a good shot um, we're usually pretty careful with that kind of stuff just because my dad has had the last few years my dad has had horrible luck with his bow shots so he let I me mean, you know anything about my dad he won't shoot anything unless it's either 10 years old about to keel over or a deer like a mid 170s or my deer he won't shoot he'll look at it he'll take a video of a 160 inch deer and send it to me and be like look i can sit here and not shoot it you know mm-hmm. just he just likes being out there. So, right. That's pretty neat. So take me back to before you killed this deer. I'd watched a few videos where you talked about it. Um, but where did, where did the story of this, uh, this deer originate? This big deer that you killed. You mean, uh, what do you mean? Where did it originate? Like, like where did it start? Like, when did you first see the deer? when did you get on trail camera? How'd that, how'd that work? Okay, we had him on camera for about three years. Um, he was, when he first came out, like, okay, he's got potential. You know, he'll be he'll be something cool in a couple of years. And the next year, we're like, okay, he's pretty nice. And he was, the year before we shot him, he was like 150, 160-inch deer. I mean, nice deer. And uh, he broke off every single one of his tines, just boom, boom, like something had just come across there and just sawed him off. Yikes. So. When dad had seen him that year, it made it even that much easier to pass him just because, you know, we were like, okay, the neighbors probably won't shoot him now. You know, that'll make it that much easier, which we will pass deer up until we think, okay, we have the mindset of, okay, let's pass him if we can. You know, if it gets to pressure point, it's like 160 inch older deer. Okay. We probably should take him, you know, stuff like that. We, we, we struggle with that some, but. Um, just with pressure and that but uh the next year he just blew up um we i mean i kept telling people i'm like okay i'm gonna have a big deer on camera not people it was like my friends and stuff that i hung yeah. with. I was like yeah we're gonna hopefully have a pretty nice deer on camera and then it was actually the night the first picture we got of him was the night my sister won the state championship game softball here class a we were coming back from it like they were having like a parade or whatever and i had pulled the trail camera that day and hadn't got to look at it well i went and grabbed 
my dad's computer out of the house before I went and like celebrated with him or whatever. And I popped that, um, I popped that SD card in, in the camera and I started surfing through there, you know, clicking, 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 going through there and boom, he was there. And I just about fell out of my chair. I was like, holy cow. And I like closed the computer really fast. I was like, nobody needs to see this yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I like ran over to dad and I was like, you got to see this. And I showed him, he's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. So from that point on, we kept it as secretive as we could, which we didn't really have to per se, because it was the neighbors. They didn't know much of him because we know that because they would send us pictures of big deer all the time. So we know if he was on there, he, they probably would have been like, you got this deer? We're like, yeah. Um, I think they had him maybe once, but he was primarily betting on us, just coming straight up to our plots, working, because we have a big flood control in the middle of our property. 120 acres, but big flood control cuts down the middle of it. Um, he would just work both sides throughout the week, and we'd see him on both sides of the lake. Um, so he had plenty of ground right there to kind of cover around in there, but he he never really showed his face on camera except for in front of ours. It seemed like, um, hmm. but, so, yeah. oh, go ahead. but, uh, yeah, after that point it was like, okay, we, we have our target October 1st. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really cool. So was he, I assume he wasn't always an eight by eight, but was he a deer that always had a lot of tines or, or what made you, or what did he look like the years previous? Yeah, he, it seemed like he just kept popping out more. So like first year he was like, he was a 10 point and then he kind of popped out a few more and he was a 12.6 on each side. And then the final year he kept, he about popped out. Um, he was an eight by eight his last year, the year I killed him. He about, if you look on there, he might not have scored as well if he would have lived another year. Cause he was about to pop out some junk everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just, he was bladed out on a couple of his tines and uh, he was about to pop out two more points right on the end of his main beams just right there and uh so like i don't know how he would have scored next year if he would have lived just because he was about to like it looked like he was about to explode in ways other than that perfect symmetricalness that he had just because just looking at it he was started to blade out in a couple of his and he about popped out a couple of them but hmm that's interesting. It looks like he had a few extras off the bases anyways. Like, yeah, he did. What were, what were those? Like just one inch, two inch points. Yeah. Just right off the bottom. I think one of them was like an inch and a quarter and they were all kind of around that, that, that hurt us score a bit um, with the whole, you know, net stuff. But yeah, it was funny whenever, speaking of those whenever he was down we were like let's just chisel those off you know (laughs) we'll know (laughs) but it was yeah that's awesome so you got your target is it 2019 where you're hunting this deer Mm -hmm. okay so what did uh had you hunted him the all of october i think you killed him in late october um Uh, yeah what did that look like it was literally go to work get out read the wind whatever wind direction we were in and play it safe and just try to hunt him toward you know hunt the wind he was everywhere on the property there was the stand i killed him in was the one he liked the most just happened to be but he was he hit every one of our cameras throughout the place so like he'd been everywhere so it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been uh weird or off to see him at any one of the stands we have but uh so i would just 
you know, see what the wind was doing that day and try to play as safe as I possibly could with that. And it was literally every day I could get out there. Some days I would even just sit off the field where I I didn't have a chance just to be there, you know, just, but yeah. Hmm. So you hunted him all of October. You said playing it safe, uh, playing the wind, right? Which is obviously wise, especially on a deer of that caliber. But what about, what about when you, when you killed him, what do you remember about that day? How'd it play out? I had to, (laughs) I worked at the cross country course here at OSU and they had me weed eat a 200 yard fence line like right before. And I was like the night before I knew I had to do it the next day. So the night before all my hunting buddies were over or whatever, we were talking because they knew it was like a team effort almost. Cause they were like, you, you know, read the wind, you know, whatever. It was funny. Cause they knew how big the deer was. But, um, I was like, I don't even know if I'll be able to go out tomorrow. I mean, I don't even cause I have so much to do and I'll be out there so late. And they're like, dude, if you go, just go out there. If there's no deer on the field, just sprint in there and get in your stand. I'm like, whatever. Okay. So I, I just sprint down this 200-yard fence line. We did it. I have my bow in my truck, all my camo in my truck. I literally jump in the truck, go straight to the property, throw on my camo on the oil pad, grab my <laughs> bow, and just sneak in that sucker. And about 10 minutes after I get in the stand, deer start coming out. So I got in there plenty of time, and they were – the, I thought it was going to be a slow night because the first two bucks came out. They were out there for ever. Nothing else was coming out. It was getting late. My does weren't even out yet. I was like, okay, this might end up being a slower night. And then they just, out of nowhere, they pick up their heads and they look back down. We have a cabin um, down the road back in the woods that we will sometimes deer camp out there. And uh, he looks straight down the road both of them did and here come my massive does coming out I'm like okay this might get interesting you know they're moving and all these does come out and I get like a text I think I don't tell this part of the story it's for this actually pretty funny I get like a text from one of my buddies because they were hunting they hunt like a mile or two away from me Mm -hmm. and uh, I get a text and they're like you know what are you seeing I have a nice buck out in front of me he's young whatever it's like I look and I do the text and I look up and I have like several of our more mature bucks out there like holy cow that happened fast and then i look over to like i look to my right i look to my left and there he's at he's right there i'm like holy cow that's him and he starts walking towards in front of my stand he's on mind you our stand is on a uh back in the woods right off one of our wheat food plots so right underneath us there's a it's a semi-use trail kind of so like They'll run it a lot during the rut, just kind of right there in range, about 20 yards that you can really hunt off of. And sometimes they'll have a, a scrape right there, so it's a really good bow stand. Um, but he ends up coming out of the timber. And what happens is he comes all the way across me about 40 yards. I have a little shooting window. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to risk the shot or if I'm not. And I'm just sitting there like – I. And so I come to the conclusion that I'm going to at least put my – you know knock my arrow up and start getting ready. And by the time I get ready to think about taking the shot, he runs back in the timber. I'm like, gosh, dang it. Never going to see him again. That was my chance. It's over. Not 20 seconds later, he comes running back out at these two young bucks that were with one of his does with his head down, just bowling through stuff. 
Like, and these bucks just hauled tail out of there. Like, nope, don't want any part of him. And he comes across the back of my stand about 25 yards. Um, for me to get to actually be able to shoot at him, I had to take my bow and maneuver it around the tree that split the back side of my stand because he had made his way to the other side of it, back on old pasture area. We had native grasses. And he had stood broadside for I don't know how long. It felt like forever it took me to get my bow around that. And it was getting late. I knew it was getting down to last 10, 20 minutes of shooting light. So I'm like, felt like I was moving slower than the last, but at the same time moving so fast they could see me. Like it was just like, you know, everything's going so fast. Yeah. And I get my bow around there and I knock it and I get ready. I get to my mid draw and he looks up at me like, golly. And I'm sitting there like half shaken just because. I'm trying not to move very much. And he ends up, he looks at me and almost immediately he looks back down. And so I got my full drawback and I looked down my peep sight and I like knocked the end of my cheek. And I was like, come on, Gunner, you got to do this. No one's going to believe you. You tell them the steers in front of you, they're not going to believe you. Like, come on, just, you know, best shot of your life. Let's go. So I'm sitting there and I'll, I look over and I look back down my peep. I look back at him, look back down my peep let go of that arrow and I heard a big slap. So I knew I hit him good. And as soon as I heard that slap, he ran 20 yards and dropped like a sack of potatoes. And he kind of looked around with his head for a second. And at that point, I didn't have, cause like the night before I had shot at some pigs at another food plot. I couldn't find my arrows and I forgot. So all I had left was a practice tip. Oh no. So it was like a point of, Oh my gosh, he's going to get up. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. like, I started trying to grab this practice tip and, and I was like, okay, if I walk up there and he gets up, this is going to be Rambo esque type stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and he ended up just dropping his head and, and I, you know, I went down there and turns out I had a perfect shot. But before I got down, I was like, Holy cow, what did I just do? You know, I, this deer's, you know, awesome. But I, it, it took me a second to realize what I had actually, the, what type of deer it was, what quality deer it was. And then immediately I started calling people, obviously. So I called dad like four times and he doesn't answer. I'm like, of course, I could be like falling out of a tree dying and mm -hmm. you're not going to answer me. And so I called my mom. I was like, get down on the phone, get down on the phone. He's like, she's like, he's right next to me. I don't know why he didn't answer so he ends up calling me back. He's like, what's up? I'm like, I shot him. You know, I shot him. I killed him. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. He's like, awesome. You know, load him up, bring him here. I'll start calling people or whatever. And I guess like right after that, he sent like four pictures of the deer on trail camera. I was like, is this a pretty big deer to his friends? And they were like, yeah. He said, well, my son just shot it. <laughs> just, <laughs> just giving him a hard time. Yeah. And uh, um, I ended up calling Taylor and Tanner. Um, which are my hunting buddies. And uh, Taylor heard me say eight point because I said, I, you know, I was freaking out. I was like, I, I shot the eight by eight. I shot the eight by eight. He was like, oh, cool. I was like, oh, that wasn't the reaction I thought I was going to get. All he heard was eight point. We have a big eight point out there. We did. Um, he was pushing 140s. I mean, he was a big eight point. Yeah. And uh, so he heard eight point. He's like, oh, cool. I'll be there in a second. 
hung up. I called Tanner. Tanner's like, you know, what's up? How you doing? You know, did you, what'd you shoot? And I was like, I shot the eight by eight. And he screams. He's like, holy cow. You know, I'll be there in a second. And I hear him start up his four-wheeler because he <laughs> would go to Taylor's house and just grab his four-wheeler and go out to his place. And then, you know, and I'll tell you the differences in how they would like Taylor thought it was eight point. Tanner thought it was the eight by eight, knew it was eight by eight. Tanner beat Taylor there. Taylor was in a truck. Tanner was in his four wheeler. <laughs> so Tanner beat Taylor to the spot. And like Tanner got off his four wheeler and like tackled me. Um, was so excited. And Taylor hopped out of the truck and was like, what, what, what the heck? It's like, this is the eight by eight. I was like, yeah, I told you it was the eight by eight. He said, you said eight point. I said, no, I didn't. He was like, oh my gosh. And like before they got there, I was just, I just walked out there and like just sat there next to him. I was like, oh my gosh. I like picked him up and I was like, oh, it was just an awe before they got there. But when they got there, it kind of became surreal, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's people, you know, laid eyes on it and I could see him in the light because it was dark at this point. I did not get down fast. I was going to let him sit there for a while, but I ended up getting down and when they got there, we took pictures and stuff. And um, Taylor's a really good photographer. He's the one that took all the pictures. Um, and we ended up coming back home, and there were like four or five trucks at my house, my dad's house. His friends came and looked at it. And our neighbor has a skin and pole that everybody uses in the neighborhood, and friends and family, whatever. They just go over there and use it, butcher our deer over there. We hung up this deer. He comes outside. He's like, he looks at the deer, he looks at us, and he looks at the deer again, and he looks at me, he said, do you have a lawyer? It's like, what do you mean? He's like, that's the real deal. I don't know if you realize that, but that deer is a big deer. And uh, so it was just, it was just a real experience. Did you, at that point, did you realize, hey, I just shot a potential state record? No, it didn't really hit me at that time. Um, it was, it really hit me the next morning whenever everybody was making a fuss about it. But at that time, I didn't really realize, I didn't think state record at the time. No one, I mean, the guy that came out whose skin and pull it was, Grant Williams is his name. He, he kind of brought it up. But like, we didn't, we didn't quite, get to that point in our brains yet because we were so excited that we'd actually shot this deer so i we had posted it i posted it and the next morning i had like 500 new facebook friends and people messaging me from like canada and stuff and all kinds of crazy stuff happening some dude from venezuela messaged me (laughs) i don't know half the people I don't even remember. One guy messaged me and was like, dude, that's so awesome. I'm rooting for Milo, but you know, you're awesome. And I'm like, what? And I, then I realized people, were, that was at the time when people were saying world record and all this other stuff. Oh yeah. So the, the people from Canada were messaging me because Milo Hansen buck, um, they were, you know, doing that whole thing. But no, it, I, we didn't really think about it as a state record until the next morning when, you know, it blew up. And then a couple of days later, Boone and Crockett called me and they were like, you know, this is awesome, whatever, you know, take it in, you know, call us if you need anything, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, great deer. And then it, then it really hit me like, holy yeah. Did you have any, did you have to do anything, any legal stuff with a deer like this? Like, did you get interviewed by any game wardens or anything like that? I figure you would. Yeah. Um, it was, it wasn't necessarily, a, an interview, like how'd you shoot this deer or anything like that. It was more of them fighting about who was going to actually get to score it. <laughs> yeah. We had several people message me asking, um, to score the deer and I ended up, uh, it was, I think the first guy that messaged me, I was like, yeah, it was Spencer Grace from, uh, Caw. Yeah. Is it, is it Caw County? Is that what it is? Hey, I know he's the, yeah. Okay. A County, maybe. Caw I've, I've hunted up at the Caw WMA and I've talked yeah. to him before. I think he's a biologist up in that or the game warden. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's the one that ended up driving down and actually doing the green score. Um, and then he signed off on it and he came to the, backwood show to do the official big score and he was there for all that he's he's been a good dude to us so yeah so what was the speaking of the score what was the green score um official um gross in the net he i believe the green score net was 196 i think it was like 196 and five eighths something like that I know he grossed over 200 green. Mm-hmm. Um, after after the dry period, he netted 188 and 5 as the net, which beat the record by an eighth, actually. <laughs> so it was stress. It wasn't necessarily stressful. I mean, I wanted the record and all, you know, it was all, you know, fine and dandy. It, it would have been cool, but if I wouldn't have had it, it would have been like, you know, still an awesome deer. Like, it would have been. I would have been not too worried about all that stuff, but just the experience I had was good enough for me. If that makes sense. It yeah. Super cool the experience. So I just had fun with it, but I think he, he ended up grossing after the dry period, um, high one nineties or low, low two hundred something in there. I don't have the paper in front of me, but, um, I know for a fact that his, uh, net after the dry was one eight, eight, five eights. Yeah, I bet the other guy that got beat by one eighth was pissed. That that would suck. Yeah, <laughs> just an eighth. Yeah, we, see, we didn't even think it was gonna be that close because of the green. We were like, okay, you know, we, it's gotta shrink a lot, um, and it shrunk a lot, <laughs> and so it. Uh, we got there and the guys were scoring it, and one of the dudes came up to me that was scoring because they did a panel, mm-hmm. and he uh, he's like, it's gonna be close. And we were live. We were doing an Instagram live, Facebook live, and Lacey Lowry there was doing it live. So everyone's like on edge at that point because everyone heard it everywhere. They're like it's going to be close, and then everybody was like piled around watching the score happen because that was like their big selling point at that t- uh, particular expo. Mm-hmm. And we're scoring the Womack Buck to see if it's a state record, and of course everyone showed out for that just because how cool it was. But yeah. Gosh, that's pretty neat. I mean, I guess that's a prime example of why you do the sixty-day drawing period. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. We thought we had it. You know, I was like, I'm not even stressing about it. He's he's got it. If he doesn't, it's whatever. But I was like, he's got it. And then they were like, it's going to be close. And then they said the score because I knew the score I had to beat in my head. Mm. I, I knew what it was. And when they told me the score, I was like, 
holy cow. Mm-hmm. It's like that was close. Because <laughs> if if he would have hit his green uh, net score, he would have been the overall state record, right, for rifle too. Uh huh. Because it's like one ninety two, one ninety three, something like that. Yeah, yeah. If he would have if he would have gotten the net, he wouldn't have shrunk very much. He would have got the overall. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the archery is good enough, and there's yeah. so, so many giants in Oklahoma. That's awesome. I mean, it's cool that you took it out of that part of the state. I mean, I when I think of state record, I think southeast and I think northwest, mm-hmm. and you're north central. Yeah. Bunch I mean, blackjack, blackjack hills up in there, blackjack bucks. Yeah, I mean, but in your experience, you guys have some pretty big deer where you're at. Yeah, we've we've been pretty lucky. See, it's all about pressure. See it we've had luck with places that we've been able to fully like get in there and manage our deer and haven't had too much pressure around here. You can find some pretty big deer. Like our neighbor at our lease shot a 188, 180 inch buck that we were there. We heard him shoot. Mm. Um, He shot him off a pond. And so, I mean, big deer get taken around us all the time. People don't hear about it as much because a bunch of people around here, I mean, just little farmers that go out, you know, just love hunting. So they're out there, they shoot their deer, they show it to their family, don't have Facebook, you know. So they're right. just going home and butchering them and eating their deer steaks. And we get a few pictures here and there, but there's some big deer around here. There are, sometimes it, it gets, because a lot of people around your hunt, I mean, sometimes you get a lot of pressure. And that's what makes it hard sometimes and you don't see as many but if you manage your you know place right and you do it the right i don't want to say the right way just do it well um you you have an opportunity at some pretty nice bucks so. so is your management plan just based around shooting mature deer and would you call that four and a half or five and a half i know some people have different yeah. standards for that um if you ask my dad it depends see we try to get our deer to five and a half just because his philosophy is three and a half, they make a big jump, four and a half, they make a big jump. So if we can get him to five and a half, six, right in there, we think we can get him to their some of their best potential, if that makes sense. Because the three, the jump from three to four is usually pretty big, and the jump from four to five can even be bigger. So that's our big philosophy. I mean, Mature deer is definitely what we're after. Like, for example, last year, we have a one-eyed buck on our lease that's, like, eight years old. But he's got, like, four points. Mm-hmm. He's, like, an old warrior, and he's got, like, one little unicorn point coming off the side here. And like, two comes straight up. But he, we've had him on camera, I kid you not, forever. And he walked out in front of Dad, and he was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to take you, old warrior, but... This is part of the philosophy. So he, mm-hmm. I mean, he drew back on him and he he shot, and his arrow nicked, nicked like a tree. I told you he's had bad luck the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, nicked a tree or something because we saw it. Uh, we saw where the razor had cut through a tree and he missed. And then, uh, of course, he's all worried. You're not gonna see him again. Like he didn't see him the rest of the year. We we saw him once or twice on camera. He stayed away after that. He knew, but. Yeah, our, our big philosophy is mature deer, mature bucks. Yeah, what's cool about that philosophy is sometimes that equates to a 188-inch deer, and sometimes that's a 
120 inch eight that's just a warrior and a monster and i think there's something to be said and something that's great about both of those things because you know even though if a deer is five and a half and it reaches maturity and it's not showing an amazing rack that's still a very awesome trophy in my mind but that's that's cool i mean i talked to some guys at the qdma and similar to what you're saying like most deer on average at four and a half have expressed like 90 percent of their antler uh like genetic potential and then at five and a half it's like that's peak and then they said going from five and a half to six and a half there's about a 50 50 shot if they get bigger or if they get smaller like we had a buddy that passed a high 160s uh 10 last year or 11 last year and it can't they killed it or he passed it two years ago they killed it last year and it was like low 150s it had lost like 15 or 16 inches worth of antler from five and a half to six so it's interesting did what was the what was the media coverage like for you after you after you shot this deer the first guy that reached out to me other than meat eater meat eater did a story about it um first guy that reached out to me offered me like he offered me a bunch of money he was like i want the story first yada yada give me the story first really yeah and i kind of just started telling the story i talked to my dad about it he was like you know this is something that should be told. It should be told. It's your story. You tell it how you want it. And then you tell it to who you want it. So that's kind of how the approach I took. Um, it should be told. A warrior like that deserves to have a cool story. And he does. So um, I had a lot of people reach out to me for podcasts and stuff. And I did several, um, several podcasts with people all across everywhere. You can imagine. Um, and North American Whitetail did a story. I'm really, I'm, for, I consider ourselves, uh, we're friends now, kind of, because he'll send me Merry Christmas, Happy New Year all the time. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit here and there, that editor over there. I'm a cool guy. Um, I had local newspapers reach out to me. Actually, uh, Lacey Lowry sent me a message on Facebook, and I didn't realize it was her at first. And it was like, I was like kind of just answering her back, not really realizing it was who that was. And um, I like, I realized, I was like, oh crap, that's Lacey Lowry. She's part of News 9. I have to, we got to take this serious. So I got back on there and I started, you know, really actually paying attention to my response and stuff. And then we got you know, we got going and uh, she ended up coming to the Backwood show and do the interview with me. News 6, actually, from Tulsa. Um, they came to my house and did an interview with me, um, talking to me about that deer. I mean, just a lot of a lot of local stuff and just about every news outlet you could think of in Oklahoma and a couple from out of state. So it was pretty cool, the experience. Yeah, has, has shooting a deer, you know, I'd consider once in a lifetime, any record is a once in a lifetime deer. Has this run, run bow hunting for you in any sense, or do you still get the same amount of enjoyment of shooting mature deer? Oh, I, I, I eat it up still. I mean, yeah. asks me, you're like, you know, how is it like now that you might never shoot it? You like, you already hit your peak or whatever. I'm like, I don't, it's like, if I shoot a mature deer every year, you know, I, I'd successful in my opinion. Um, you know, you, it's not all about shooting records or, shooting the biggest score deer you can possibly find it's i mean it's about 
the traditions, the teaching people, you know, what this is about. Because, um, you know, hunting hasn't always had a positive outlook on it. You know, some people think of it negatively, which, you know, a, a big part of what I tried to do a lot in my interviews was bring a positive light towards it. Like, mm -hmm. this is good. This is, you know, good for people, good for communities. Um, this is not just about killing. We eat everything we, you know, harvest. Um, it is not ruined at all. I, I eat it up. I love it. Um, I'm trying new things all the time, too. Like, I'm going to Colorado this year, um, going to Nebraska this year, just to branch out a little bit, just to do more stuff, because I love it so much. And I, I still hunt with my dad all the time, like last year for rifle he didn't even want to go out without me i was actually actually uh, had to quarantine for a little bit because the school like someone in our class had it or whatever mm -hmm. i had to quarantine for two weeks and it just happened to be during rifle season so dad was like okay i'll quarantine with you so he we would just go sit in our tower stands and just like i was a little kid again and uh, that's that's my favorite part probably is hunting with my dad that's awesome yeah, it's really cool. Um, I think another interesting point to add to what you were saying about it's about the traditions, the camaraderie, the people, um, all those sorts of things is it's also if you, the way you guys are managing it, like killing five and a half year old deer, it's also what's best for the deer. Oh, like, yeah, that's the most merciful death a mature animal is ever going to get. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, the alternative is getting ripped apart or. Uh, getting killed by coyotes or, or, or whatever it is. And uh, it's cool to, to be able to harvest those, those kind of deer. And, um, you know, they just don't go, they don't go to waste that way. 100%. Um, it's, it's people don't understand that aspect of it really. And it's, it's like you, you watch the meteor. I mean, he's all about, you know, he doesn't just show the, the, the kill and then just leave he shows the butchering you know what it's going towards and he talks about you know all these other aspects like you kill an old warrior you know it's it's something to be said about that i mean i completely agree with what she said yeah it's pretty awesome so what how do you feel about uh for a long time i think people from oklahoma like you and i have kind of been like hey deer will get as big as anywhere in the world in oklahoma but I think people are starting to think of Oklahoma not even as a sleeper state anymore. How do you feel about yeah. that? It's a love hate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's like, Oh cool. People are starting to realize you, you hope people in your state realize and like kind of jump on board with it. Like we can be this, we can be Iowa. I mean, maybe not quite there, but like we can, we can do stuff like that and produce big deer year in and year out. If we just kind of buy in and we don't do, you know, bad practices and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, dang it. I don't want there to be, I mean, I, God bless them. I love people going out to hunt. I love people coming to hunt. Love it. You know, it's just, you, it's, it's a love hate. Like I said, I don't, you know, uh, it's, it's like you get a bunch of people coming in from out of state and be like, Oh, dang it. For those, you know, which we hunt private land a lot of. And for those, for that, you know, Billy Joe that doesn't get to hunt private land that has to go to public. It's going to hurt him a little bit with mm -hmm. people coming in, trying to hunt some public here. But, you know, at the same time, you got to love it as well, just because you love people. You love people enjoying what we've enjoyed for our entire lives. So 
Yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. But one interesting point is that like Oklahoma is like the lowest barrier to entry for non-resident state. Like you can get two buck tags. You yeah. don't have to draw in. Like I'd be eating it up right now as a non-resident. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Oh, yeah. Like it's so hard to draw in other states. Like New Mexico, it's really hard to get an elk tag there. Um, Colorado, you can get over the counter elk tags, but if you want to get somewhere that's like really, really prime, you got to draw. I mean, other states, it's so hard to get tags there. I mean, you got to really look for stuff like something that we might do in a couple years is go over the counter archery in Arizona for mule deer. That's yeah. a good one. But like, it went, if you make it like too easy for people to come here, it might become overrun, I guess. But at the same time, you know, you gotta you gotta love it at the same time too. But it's it's love hate, like I said. Yeah, I mean, hunter participation is hunter participation, and that's always good. Yes. Um, I'm always like, hey, the more money we spend uh, by people buying licenses, yeah. let's just get more public land, and then yes. I'm cool with it. Yeah, no, I'm for it. Trust me. Yeah. So what what's uh what's the plan for you this year? I think you talked about it a little bit. You said Nebraska, and then maybe New Mexico or Colorado. Um, yeah, I go to Colorado in October. I drew pronghorn and elk tag this year. So I'm going to go around by Trinidad, Colorado, and go after some pronghorn. And then I'm going to go in Unit 80 and 81 to go after some elk. Um, I went down to Unit 80. Yeah, 80 last year. Had a little bit of success. It was my first time ever elk hunting, so it was a, it was a learning experience. Um, so this year I drew a first season tag. I won't be going third season, which is going to help a little bit. Yeah, um, getting in there first, but I'm excited to try this pronghorn thing out too. You know, I I watch all these, you know, people hunting them online and stuff, and I'm gonna eat it up. I know I am. And then we're gonna go in December and go to Nebraska, um, because there's a over the counter uh, muzzleloader tag in Nebraska, where you can get it for the entire month of December. You can hunt any public land in it. You can't kill a mule deer doe, and you can't shoot a mule deer in some of the southern units, but you can kill a whitetail in just about every unit if you can find public land. And then in the northern units, you can kill, um, you can shoot a mule deer buck. So it's a pretty good tag for what it is. Um, so we're going to try our hand at that because we've had f- a couple of buddies go up there and have some success up in the northern half of Nebraska and some public land. So we're going to try our hand at it and just see how we do. I mean, me and my dad, we, we'll go hit some public every once in a while. Like I shot I shot a uh, Oklahoma mule deer up in Beaver. Um, really? A couple years ago, yeah. He was pretty nice. I mean, for Oklahoma mule deer, he was a nice mule deer. Um, mm-hmm. But I shot him when I was I was younger. But that was really fun. We try. We, we always put in for draw hunts in Oklahoma on public land. So, like, we drew the western wall over by Pahuska. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it last year two years ago i missed a big buck out there i'm not i missed the big buck out there he was we were, for, to my defense he was moving pretty fast and he stopped for a half second and i rushed it but um he was he was legit deer he was for public land especially he was probably based on what i saw like 160 inch deer Ooh. so like public land you're like ecstatic about that then so i was kicking myself after that but um we 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 always put in for public land everywhere and we try we didn't draw any in oklahoma this year but we're gonna try to do a whole bunch of stuff like my outdoor group outdoor defiance we uh, we do a lot of charities and stuff 
for people that need it. Um, we did a bass fishing tournament for a couple kids in a car crash mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago. And then uh, back in February, we did uh, one for cancer awareness. Uh, we did a predator hunt for a lady who was just diagnosed with breast cancer in my hometown. Um, we do we do all kinds of stuff like that. And so we have a bunch of that kind of stuff coming up. So we're excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, are you putting in for uh, any of the um, any of the elk hunts like the Southwest? Yeah, we yeah we put in every year. My dad, um, he's been putting it since he was a kid, and he hasn't got it. He's like, Oof. he's dog cussing himself all the time. He's like, gosh dang it, my buddy just put in for the first time and got in it. You know, just he wants it bad, but you know, we we put in for all kinds of that that kind of stuff every year. Yeah. Well, what's the, what's the things that you're doing with outdoor defiance as far as the, whether it's cancer or car wrecks, what, what are you, what events you guys got coming up? Um, this February, we're going to do another, uh, we're going to do another predator hunt, um, for, we haven't decided who or what we're going to do it around this year, but we're going to definitely do that again. We enjoyed that. Um, it's just really kind of how it comes. We hear about somebody who needs a little bit of help and we just kind of throw something together as fast as we can and to help them out. Um, I think we're going to try to do a big buck contest this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and for somebody, we haven't, we haven't quite decided that yet. And then I know for a fact in March, we're going to do a fly fishing day over for youth over at CCC Lake and Perry. Cause they stock it with trout. Oh yeah. I've, I've fished it. It's pretty neat. Yeah. We're going to try to teach some kids how to fly fish and how to trout fish and have like a sermon for some kids and, we're going to try to do that. And then uh, we always, we just started this last year. Uh, we take a couple kids out in the, uh, in the fall to kill their, uh, to go after some deer. Um, last year we, we took two youth kids out and they killed their first, first two deer ever last year. That was super cool. They ate that up, loved it. Um, and then we took a kid out in his first duck hunt. He ate that up, loved it. So uh, we're going to continue to try to do that stuff and, show our faith and take kids out and just try to give back to the people and to the communities that gave so much to us really. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool that you guys got a platform to do that and you're, sounds like you're stewarding the right way too. uh, if, if people want to like connect with you, see what you guys are up to, maybe get in some of your tournaments or charity events, where can they do that on social media? Um, we, we have a Facebook page and, uh, Instagram, and then we actually have a YouTube uh, we're learning how to edit a little bit better. We, I mean, we're, we're, we're slowly learning, but, uh, um, outdoor defiance on Facebook, outdoor defiance on Instagram, then our pages on YouTube as well under outdoor defiance. Um, we do all kinds of stuff. We'll, uh, we'll put announcements on our Facebook and Instagram of stuff we're about to do. Um, and for like the youth hunts, we'll, we'll put the link to that. We, we partner with another, uh, person with that and he'll, he'll help us with that. So we'll, we'll put that on our Facebook and Instagram and kids will submit their story or, you know, why they want to go get into hunting and, you know, that kind of stuff. So we'll put everything, all our announcements and stuff on that. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll uh, share that with the viewers and hopefully uh, get some people, get some people signed up for that, but I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, it was, uh, it was really great talking to you. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Love going on.
Hey guys, thank you so much for consuming the Hunter's Advantage podcast. We really appreciate it, and we really do do the podcast for you all. And just to stay in tune with that and what you guys want to hear, feel free to message us on Facebook or Instagram on who you would like to see on the podcast next.